Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thanks for tuning in. This is Look on the Bright Side. This is episode seven of the podcast and you'd expect that this opening would get easier to write each week as we get into the swing of it. But this week has been such an important one in the world that these words have been harder to write than any other. Throughout the podcast so far, we've looked on the bright side during the coronavirus crisis, but the last week or so, the tragic death of George Floyd in Minnesota has had as big of an impact on us as the crisis. But sadly, this is one we should have, and many did, see coming. There is so much amazing content which has been written and said on the matter, and we're not going to pretend we can add anything to the argument, but it would be wrong of us to not mention it. We started this podcast to put a smile on people's faces during a tough time. Well, this has been around much longer and silence is no longer acceptable. We can't put a smile on your face during one of the toughest times a lot of us have known without acknowledging an even tougher event which has never gone away. This is a problem for us all. It's happening all around us. It's not isolated to one country, one city, one officer. Research, listen, educate, donate, discuss and share. Each week we say we'll get through this together. Now is a time for togetherness like never before. As ever, there are some people providing so much light through the darkness. On this week's show, we talked to the founder of a charity asking for action over donations. We talked to two incredible founders of an initiative which spans not one, not two, but three campaigns. And we chat to a charity who can easily be overlooked during times like this, but are doing their best to continue the fight. So today we are joined by the founder of the charity Go Dharmic. Welcome Hamel Randawala to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So talk us through Go Dharmic, the charity. How did it all start? Uh, well, it started um, in a town called Luton uh, in England. And uh, I was just with my wife and uh, my brother, Ajay and Sheena. And we just kind of, uh, you know, wanted, I wanted to create a way of doing charity or helping people without you know, just directly donating, but actually being actively involved in the process of charity rather than just a donation. So that, that was the initial thought. Mm, okay. So why is it that getting actively involved instead of just donating, why was that so important to you? So probably about 12 years ago, I came across um, 
somebody called uh, Ramdas, Richard Alpert was his uh, uh, original name, and he was a former Harvard professor of psychology. And, uh, you know, he uh, inspired me to learn more about Indian spirituality, Indian ideas, ancient wisdom, uh, and uh, a teacher called Neem Karoli Baba, who kind of uh, inspired so many people around the world to love people and to be, you know, that spirituality is not some kind of idea where we just uh, kind of philosophize ourselves at home or you know meditate only but actually being involved in helping people and a real spiritual outcome is to feed people and care about people and love people so that that was the kind of initial inspiration for me you know ramdas taught that you know real awakening is serving people and loving people and you know widening our circle of uh, care and humanity and that we're all one and realizing that through helping people it's all very good to say that we're all one but actually to uh, to realize it and to to act as if you know another person's suffering is our own is a is the the, the expression of that idea what you're saying about uh, acting as if we're all one and helping people in need and, you know, helping people as if it was us in trouble. That's exactly how a lot of people are responding to the current crisis. When news of the pandemic broke, what were your first concerns? Uh, my first concern was to listen um, and to kind of hear the calls for help. Um, so the first thing we did was start a phone line where anybody in the UK could call up and just, you know, express a need for help or a desire for meals or uh, a call to request for anything. So we really, you know, because we were in uncharted territory as a community, as you know, globally, we just needed to uh, listen and actually hear what people were facing to understand first, you know, where the need was rather than, you know, just rush to provide a solution for where you don't really understand the problem. One of the things that came of that was that, Lots of elderly people were isolated, uh, and we came to know they were people who were most vulnerable, very scared, uh, locked away at home, maybe having family members far away from them, uh, very scared of uh, you, you know even going shopping or supplying their house with food and so on. So you know that was an area that we really felt that you know the most vulnerable people in the community were the elders, and uh, we, we needed to find a way to help them, uh, whether it was sourcing. Uh, shopping or providing, you know, free meals to them. So that, that I guess that was the, the outcome. What I think is so great about this is how you took time to learn about the issues that are presenting itself before actually creating a solution around that. I think that sort of care was really necessary. What was the response to the phone lines when you set it up? It was uh, inundated with calls and oh, uh, wow. we, we probably still running now we have uh, six volunteers who are you know handling the line seven days a week receiving calls from uh, people who need help so uh, it, it was really inundated with calls just from a few Facebook posts and sharing it on social media so uh, that's the way it started and then kind of you know just spread and spread and you know throughout the whole country then we just rolled the model out and expanded on the number of restaurant partners we engaged. And at the peak of it, we're probably delivering around 3,000 meals a day. I mean, it really is incredible. And just looking at the response from the public as well, obviously that you opened up the emergency fundraising appeal. What sort of response did that have? So to date, we've raised uh, in the UK £69,000. Um, oh, wow. A really decent sum of money. But we are also active in Africa and India as well. Uh, where we've been able to do a lot of work. So far in India, we've delivered 300,000 meals as of yesterday, 312,000. People really facing starvation and you know uh, malnourishment during this period in, in a mass scale. 
Uh, I, I can't even begin to describe the, the challenges facing some people over there. It's just the scale of this operation. It's just astounding to me. Do you sometimes look back at when you started and think, how could I ever tell myself it would get to this size? Well, we started, you know, distributing 50 bananas to homeless people in central London. Uh, we don't know whether we're giving it to the right people, whether we're allowed to give it. What, what's the situation? We just bought 50 bananas from Sainsbury's and, and gave them out to homeless people. So uh, that's how it started. But I think the intention behind it is uh, really just ordinary people trying to help people who are vulnerable or in a difficult circumstance. No, I don't often feel that we can't believe like where we where we are or looking back at you know in astoundment because I just think that I believe in the human heart and that people who want to help will always come forward to help mm. and uh, I, and you know I'm uh, very optimistic and positive about our ability our dharma is to serve people so mm. you, you know in the very name go dharmic mm. um, the the idea is that uh, just like the dharma of fire would be to produce heat or light the dharma of humanity is to be humane, to be compassionate and to serve people, uh, love everyone, feed everyone. Mm. And, th and that's the whole idea. When we say go dharmic, we're actually, you know, requesting people to actually uh, realize that, you know, we're all in this together. This is just one crisis. But, you know, if people are going hungry around the world, that's also something we're all in together. And, you know, we should work together to try and resolve. I mean, the ethos is so spot on for what humanity needs generally but especially what's needed at the moment taking your opinion on this one looking at how humanity has gone through a monumental shift in just the last few months looking to the end of the period do you think we're going to come out of this any differently well, well the first thing i would say is a point that you know i wanted to make on this is that i think we're now coming into the point where the charity is needed mm. uh, and what i don't want what I really hope we don't get is, you know, kind of like the Christmas uh, after, you know, during the Christmas period, everybody wants to volunteer in the UK and we get inundated with food vol uh, donations and people coming forward. Or, you know, perhaps we could use the example of gyms that, you know, gym membership goes up in January and yes. then everybody kind of fades off by mid-Feb. Uh, I hope we don't get that with this because I've seen an influx of people volunteering and lots of people coming forward to help. And, and now, you know, as things are now coming back to, uh, normal work commitments and families coming, you know, back into normal life. We we are urging people to actually retain that sense of civic duty or you know uh, compassion for others and uh, volunteer spirit that's been so wonderful over this period, and uh, and integrate that into their life forever. Um, uh, we can always fall away, right? Like I think, you know, we constantly need to uh, stick together and come together and remind each other of of things to keep make it a, a long-term habit so i definitely think people will be much more respecting of services such as charities and services such as the hospitals um you know nhs workers and so on but um i, I don't know <laughs> whether we whether many of us might slip back into our uh, habitual habits or not of uh, a pre-covid kind of work life that's primarily centered about you know, personal achievement rather than collective achievement. That is such an incredible message to end on. Thank you so much, Hemel Randawala, founder of Go Dharmic, for joining us on Look on the Bright Side. Thank you so much for having me. What a great way to start this week's podcast and a powerful message to us all. It's the old adage of a dog isn't just for Christmas. 
Next up, let's hear about an initiative which is spanning three incredible initiatives, but in one. So joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Sharon Raymond and Alex Adams. They are the co-founders of CCR, which is the COVID Crisis Rescue Foundation. Thank you so much both for joining me. Thank you. So when I was looking into your initiative, one thing that really struck me is how much is actually fitted in under the banner of CCR. But before we get into that, I would love to know where the idea came from. What was the inspiration? Uh, Dr. Sharon, would you like to take this one? Um, yeah, sure. So um, I'm a, a GP. I work mainly for 111 and out of hours in my clinical work. Obviously, as the pandemic was taking hold, the COVID pandemic, um, there were quite a few issues that were coming to light, uh, both through talking to professionals and managing patients. One of the main issues that was coming up was the scarcity of uh, protective uh, gear, the PPE, that we've heard so much about, and a few other issues and projects that I really wanted to develop to try and address some of the gaps that I'd identified. So I approached uh, Alex, who I know from previous work that um, he's been involved with, uh, together with me on uh, uh, female genital mutilation. I've also got a special interest in safeguarding. And he agreed to to join in this uh, initiative. And that's uh, kind of led us to doing all the other stuff that we've uh, engaged in for COVID crisis rescue. And that's kind of the story of how we were formed uh, around the end of uh, March. Um, yeah, and so in that time, we've managed to supply about 30,000 items of PPE to frontline NHS workers, hospices, women's refuges, care homes, uh, etc. Um, and we've set up a COVID cab service because I realised there was a gap uh, in terms of patients who don't have private transport but do need to get to hospital or do need to get to GP face-to-face appointments. And if we couldn't arrange private transport, if they didn't couldn't arrange private transport, we were having to sometimes organise uh, less urgent ambulances to take them, which obviously has an impact on capacity of urgent and emergency services. So we now have a cab service that's up and running across London with PPE, with screens that we uh, finance the insertion of um, so that people can go, you know, if they've got suspected COVID or confirmed COVID, they can safely reach uh, their medical assessment uh, and and the driver, both the driver and passenger are protected. Uh, We also set up a um, a service uh, that operates across London to loan uh, pulse oximeters, the oxygen saturation probes, which measure your blood oxygen levels. Uh, we did that in cooperation or collaboration with Team Rubicon and the Bike Shed, uh, so that if a patient requires an oxygen probe any time of day, 24-7, uh, they get one delivered to their doorstep within 90 minutes. So that, that service has now been extended beyond London. Uh, and our latest project uh, was uh, is the testing project within workplaces because I realised that obviously the government's not testing uh, asymptomatic individuals and there's a gap there and people want to go back to work. We're hopefully in the recovery phase uh, uh, in terms of the pandemic and testing people at work for active infection can can then lead to them self-isolating if they're asymptomatic, we don't, they're silent spreaders, then they get going to self-isolation and that will limit the spread of infection within the workplace. So these are the three projects that we've managed to get on their feet <laughs> 
<laughs> within four weeks. So it's been quite a, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been good. I mean, it really is astonishing. And what's so clear to me is that you've taken a step back and identified areas where a service is really needed, and then you've worked out a way to to provide that service. Uh, so taking sort of each miniature project, well, they're obviously not miniature, but taking each individual project in turn. So the COVID cab service is amazing. How how did you pull that together? Did you use an existing cab service or are they all individuals? It was Sharon who reached out to a local cab service who who was really stu- suffering from the the crisis in terms of business. So it made sense that we could sort of marry this idea with a business who was was really being disrupted. So we worked with them to fit their cars with the screens that Sharon mentioned, put in place a protocol around safety, and we then provide PPE to the drivers and the passengers. That That is the key thing here is that this is the safest way to travel during a pandemic. And this enables patients to go to and from medical appointments safely. And we, we also cover the cost if uh, if an individual cannot uh, pay for, for the service. Mm. I mean, just marrying up the fact that obviously uh, a lot of cab and taxi drivers are out of work at the moment, marrying that up and just the partnership that comes into this is just astounding. And that's what really stood out to me about the Oximeter Learning Service is that it's actually a group of bikers who are giving up their time to deliver this life-saving medical, these devices to vulnerable Londoners. That's just amazing. How did that partnership take off? How did you approach these people? <laughs> they approached us so they oh, wow. we have a just we have a just giving page Well, they bro- approached us for a different reason um we were you know alex was doing amazing work getting hold of you know various bits of ppe and medical equipment that we were donating out to the services that needed it um but we realized uh, very quickly that there was kind of a, a a break in the supply chain uh mainly from china because a lot of these goods have been coming from china as many as many of us know um, and the costs were going up, you know, by the day. Um, and so we just received a, a large supply of uh, oxygen saturation probes. And I was saying to Alex, we need to set up a loan service. We can't give these out. And then when people finish using them, they might just kind of <laughs> linger in people's homes and not be put to good use. There's a real shortage. Um, and Alex mentioned to me that we'd had on our Just Giving page, we'd had a message from uh, the bike shed from Vicky Van Summeren, who uh, manages the bike shed. And she had uh, basically put out an offer saying, you know, our volunteer bikers, we've got bikers across the country who are eager to help and they can help distributing PPE. So I said, that's it. You know, I'm going to contact her <laughs> and, and, and explain that wow. actually what they could do is deliver the probes. And she was totally up for it with the support of Team Rubicon, who've been amazing. I mean, the teamwork behind this is just astounding. How can we get involved? Can, is there any way we can help and be part of the team? <laughs> um, uh, we obviously welcome any involvement and anyone who's you know committed to wanting to uh, create positive change. Our kind of subheading for the title of our foundation is Dream It, Do It. So wherever wherever there's a good idea, wherever there's an idea that can make a difference and can help, we realise that the task of the pandemic is huge. You know, dealing with the pandemic and for government, it's, you know, there's a lot to tackle. So I think that, you know, rather than 
than us saying, I, I, you know, it, it's very easy to say, oh, why didn't this happen? Why? Rather than say that, we're saying, look, let's let's look at how we can make things better. What can we do as individuals mm. or in teams to make things as good as they can be? So if there's a we out there that wants to help, we want to hear from them. Wonderful. Dr. Sharon Raymond and Alex Adams, co-founders of COVID Crisis Rescue Foundation. Thank you so much for joining me on Look on the Bright Side. Thank you for help. Thank you for having us. We'll be back after this short break with Holly Budge from How Many Elephants. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We've seen an incredible amount of interest in podcasts at the moment, and there's no surprise whether you need to pick me up, a bit more connection, or just a bit of time to yourself. Now, as well as listening to Look on the Bright Side, we have another recommendation for you this week, and this is for the parents. Made by Mamas is a podcast all about lifting the veil on parenting, whether it's celebrities with their true stories, or an expert giving valuable advice, or even just getting to hear Zoe and Georgia, those are the hosts, talk about their favourite products and new experiences. Now is quite a difficult time to be a parent so they've even increased their episodes to two per week not just to help you get through it but help you to thrive on it just search made by mamas wherever it is you found this podcast so today i'm so pleased to have this person on the podcast because she's here to talk about an area i haven't and perhaps you haven't considered as affected by the current pandemic and it's so important to educate ourselves on this to create real change welcome to the podcast holly budge thank you so much for joining us holly no worries it's uh, nice to be here chatting with you so before we get into what, uh, what what I really want to talk about, which is your charity, I'd love to hear more about you. What was life like for you before the lockdown period? Pretty different to now in many ways, because a lot of my work as an adventurer and a conservationist uh, means that I travel around a lot. So obviously all of that side of things has been postponed for now. But in terms of actually uh, the daily work life, um, working on my laptop things haven't changed a great deal 
Um, and I definitely miss the, the social side, um, you know, going out and seeing friends and things like that. But um, yeah, on the whole, I'm, I'm, I feel that I'm uh, dealing with the whole uh, lockdown um, in, a, in a fairly positive way, which is, which is a really good thing. So how many elephants is the charity that you founded? How did the idea come about for that? Seven years ago, I went and studied for a master's in sustainable design. And I was actually studying a material called vegetable ivory, which is a sustainable um, plant material. It's actually a nut from a palm tree from the South American rainforests. And it has an incredible story of its own, but it was its material similarity to elephant ivory that really got me interested in researching the African elephant crisis. And that was seven years ago and, and I just haven't stopped since then um, and I was so shocked by the poaching statistics that I was um, reading I, I wanted to come up with a way of raising awareness of this problem so I used my background which is design as a powerful communication tool to really speak about the crisis and to really bridge the gap between scientific data and human connection. So what I mean by that is when we hear 96 elephants are poached each day in Africa, or on an annual scale, 35,000 elephants are poached, um, you know, those numbers, they're, they're big numbers. We can't visualize what does 35,000 of anything look like. So I came up with this idea of presenting these figures and this data in a purely visual way. So my exhibition, which is traveling around the globe um, when the pandemic is or the lockdown is over, um, and the exhibition showcases 35,000 elephants on a wall in a very graphical um, monochrome color palette. And to actually see and connect with this data in a purely visual way is, is highly impactful. I've purposely avoided any gruesome images there's nothing gory um, and I'm not assigning blame or pointing the finger at anyone it is just showing the numbers um, and I also built this necklace which has won five design awards so far and it's 96 elephants the daily poaching rate cut in vegetable ivory and I've weaved a narrative into the piece one elephant is hand cut in brass because the poacher's bullet shells are commonly made from brass. And one elephant is facing the other way to say that this crisis can still be turned around and that the elephants aren't extinct yet. But at the current poaching rates, the African elephant in the wild could be extinct within the next decade. So this is a problem that is uh, very much happening right now. I'm just blown away by how shocking that statistic is. It actually gives me goosebumps, just the idea of something like that actually being something that could happen, you know, not just in my lifetime, but very near in the future. How has lockdown and the coronavirus impacted on the species and also the rates of poaching? As COVID-19 has halted the tourism industry in its tracks, there are definite growing fears of a surge in elephant poaching. So we've worked very closely with um, four direct action anti-poaching initiatives in Africa, and they are very much reporting back to us that, that they, there has been a 
a big escalation in the amount of snares that they're finding. So without the tourism, there's obviously been a um, dramatic uh, job loss, so lots of unemployment, and the uh, tourism industry in uh, Africa is, is huge. One in seven people in South Africa rely on tourism. And every rural worker that's that's working in tourism, they might support 10 people in their communities. So now that tourism is ground to a halt, a lot of these rural communities are forced to, um, you know, start looking to the wildlife for uh, bushmeat. So also another problem that's been reported is without the tourists, certainly in the, the real hotspots, the tourist hotspots, there's there's no eyes and ears on the ground anymore. So the coaches really are um, not fearing that that they're going to be disturbed. So so that's another element of it. So I would say that uh, yeah, this is having a huge effect on on the wildlife, and it will continue to do so. I can imagine that another impact is that at the moment a lot of people's and resources attentions are focused on you know the immediate future for us as humans, and a lot of people's minds are just focused on what's going on currently. That when it comes to other charities that really need our help, they're just not getting the attention and the support that they need. Would you say that's the case? Absolutely. I'm, I'm really glad that you've touched on that. It, it's really tough. Um, lots of people are looking inwards right now. And what we're trying to do is is really say to people, you know, the bigger picture remains. Um, so there mm-hmm. are frontline workers operating in Africa who aren't receiving any uh, government subsidies. They are reliant on donations to keep their work going. So, um, you know, it's absolutely imperative for us to try and use every resource that we can to uh, fundraise for these these rangers that are out on the front lines. I think that's such an important point about everything being connected. How can we get involved? How do you suggest that we take the next steps to have an impact here? So certainly with the work that we're doing, we, as I said, we work with four direct action initiatives um, in Africa. And the reason that we do that is because we don't want to... Th- spread our efforts too thin. And also, I think people can be wary about charities. And so what we pride ourselves with at How Many Elephants is that we can um, account for where every single penny that's raised, where is that being spent and what is the impact that is making. So the four initiatives we work with are the Black Mambas, who are an all-female frontline anti-poaching team. We also work with Akashinga, another all-female anti-poaching team in Zimbabwe. Um, we work with National Park Rescue and Victoria Falls Wildlife Trust. Both of those are in Zimbabwe as well. So I th- there's plenty of ways that people can get involved on our website at howmanyelephants.co. And that can range from volunteering your time. If you don't have uh, the money to give, but you do have time and skills, we have a volunteer program. Um, Obviously, monetary donations are gratefully received and absolutely passed on to our, our partners in Africa. We've actually got an event coming up on June the 11th. It's an online talk where I've brought together um, 
some of the initiatives that we work with, I'll also be giving a talk um, and we're looking at the impacts of the collapse of the tourism industry and how is that affecting the rural communities and the wildlife. And that's £10 a ticket. So all of that money will go directly to, to our partners as well. Um, and then we have a global visual petition. So if colouring is your thing, either as an adult or a child, um, we would encourage you to download one of our elephant templates from the website, colour it in, and then upload that onto your social media with hashtag how many elephants. Um, I'm probably missing some bits because there's so many different ways that people <laughs> can get involved. I would, would urge people to look at howmanyelephants.co. And if anyone's got any other ideas or really wants to do something uh, that we haven't mentioned, um, absolutely get in touch with us. We're a small charity and we're totally open to uh, to hearing from people and working and collaborating. Thank you so much, Holly. I really hope you know that you've opened my eyes to this because I don't really think I've given it thought before and I'm so grateful that you've been able to join us. So thank you again, Holly Budge, founder of How Many Elephants, for joining us on Look on the Bright Side. Thank you, Holly. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening and taking a bit of time to look on the bright side with us. Please help us to spread the good news by sharing Look on the Bright Side with a friend or family member. Let's help everyone through this tough time and beat it together. If you've got a story you think we should be featuring, then send us an email. We'll put the address in the podcast description for you. We'll be back next week, but before we go, we wanted to end with the words of Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.